0: i came out to canada uh, and i've just been you know seeing what the country has to offer i've been in calgary i am currently currently now in uh narumata canada which is really dope um i'm at a bed and breakfast which is beautiful it's on a winery i'm next to a pool i'm just sitting in the middle of nature i don't know if you can hear the waterfall that's built into this place it's 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 insane um and just, just feeling really in touch with nature. But um, this episode is the episode that I wanted to put out last week, but I couldn't because my computer crashed. Whack. But <laughs> my computer is back up and running, so I got the episode that I wanted to have. And this one features a conversation with uh, Matt frat brother, who is a mental health uh, specialist and an author. And he wrote this book called, hold on, let me make sure I get it right. Heal a Repeat, Breaking the Cycle of Intergenerational Trauma. And we had about a half-hour conversation on Zoom. I apologize right now for the audio quality. It's not the greatest because, you know, Zoom, you know how it is. Like, everybody's working from home or you've, you've done it. You know it doesn't sound like crystal clear. But um, it was a great conversation. Uh, it opens up with something that I found on Twitter. And we just... Go from that into the book. And um, this is a really special episode uh, for me because I haven't really done an interview episode in quite a long time. And this was the first time I did an interview episode after reading, you know, uh, a subject's book. Because, you know, when I started this, it was just like, you know, just me and other comics. Just I thought it was going to be a thing of us like talking shit about uh, generational trauma and all these things. And just trauma in general, which it was. Some episodes were. And some episodes, like, they kind of went to the left where... I might have, uh, I might have just been like my super honest, real super self, and I was like, "Wait, why? Why would you do that?" Like things didn't make sense to me, um, and we we had some great conversations. I think so. Um, check out this episode. I think it's great. I think you're gonna love it. Um, shout out to all the alphas out there. Shout out to Ayodele specifically. What a great chapter. Um, <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening. So enjoy this interview and if you do like what you hear after you listen to the episode, please remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment or whatever you want. It it is it is so good. We are on um were you good on everything? I know there's another podcast. I think there's other podcasts with the same name or similar names, but you know it's me because you see you see the images and all that. And um I really appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for waiting. I know this is like it's, it's 11 o'clock my time, and I think it's 2 o'clock, 2, 3 o'clock East Coast time for anybody who's on the East Coast. I know I have some uh, listeners from Africa who, and I don't know what time it is there, so I know my time in is, is kind of off today, but hey, we got it. It's Wednesday. It's here. I'm out of the country on vacation. I'm putting up a podcast for you. It's here. So let's do it. Um, and real quick, I want to speak about this before I get into you know the interview. Um, I'm seeing a lot of things that's, that are saying like... like uh, God is opening a new season and starting a new season for us and um it's something that I feel and I I know what's happening for me and I see it happening for a lot of other people and um growing up I've I've always kind of like felt that like when I would meet other people and it, and it still happens to today when I meet other people I I sometimes would just like see the divinity in other people and I would want them to also see it in themselves because I would see so much divinity in myself and not to be like super egotistical, but it's just like, you know, you grow up and you're like, you know, you know I'm, I'm a child, I'm a child of God and you're a child of God too. And if you don't know, you should know, you know, you're destined for great things. Like you, you are great just because you exist, you know, believe it, go, go after it. And um, I've spent, so much of my life and and I will continue to I think it's like a function <laughs> of me where I want to I want to make sure people that they, they see their own divinity and they recognize that that they are special whoever they are and I've been doing that so long that I've kind of lost uh part of seeing it in myself and this trip um you know this this whole covid situation of just like kind of having to sit down and not do stand up and to to rethink why I do the things I do and and the things that I want and where can I go and you know kind of saying have I put myself in a box in some areas and why have I put myself in a box and can I get out this box and why do I feel like I'm in this box all these things and um I feel like there is something happening and I can't put my finger on it because I don't know what it is specifically. But I do think that there is something great about to happen in my life. And I think it's not just me because I, I hear all the I, I, I hear all the sounds around me that everyone is starting this 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 new chapter, this new thing for them. So um, I don't know if what I just said resonated with you listener right now, but I hope that it did. I hope that it does because um, when I started to do this podcast, my mission was a little unclear and I, I wanted to make sure that I could do something where I talked about mental health and the troubles and the, uh, the trauma we might've faced and, and you know, Originally, we were just like, yo, let me just talk to other comics because I know we all been through some shit and there is something with us to be like, hey, we're going to write some jokes. We're going to talk about this. We're going to be free and use our freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and, you know, tell some jokes on stage. And as I've been doing it, I've I felt like um, there's a lot of people who see the benefits of the podcast. I think people start looking at me differently and I start looking at me differently and it's, and it's just ridiculous. And the crux of it is that, that you listening to it, you are, you, you worth something, you know, you, you do have divinity, you know, that doesn't mean we're perfect, but that means that we have the, uh, capacity to do more. So, um, with that said, here is the interview with Jared Washington, talking about his book, Heal or Repeat, Breaking the Cycle of Intergenerational Trauma. Thank you for listening. And I'ma be out here until uh, next week. So uh, <laughs> enjoy your time and we'll talk soon. Let's go into the interview. It's like the space is just like crowded. It's crazy. It's like, what's going on? Um, But before we even get into the book, man, I saw a tweet today that uh, and I gotta just share this with you because I don't know if you've seen it or if you heard about it, or this might be this might be inspiration for book number two. Uh because it <laughs> all right. <laughs> it says it says the desire to escape slavery was once classified as a mental illness called drapetomania. In I 18- heard about that. You heard about this? Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: and
0: so the idea that you're gonna have black people and slave people for them wanting to escape slavery was a mental illness. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's crazy. So it's just even like the idea. Like the deeper I get into even talking about it and reading about it, you I, I look at it like, um, like I think the, the last just the last part I was reading about the part that struck out to me a lot about the book was uh you know the the uh, black co- black codes Jim Crow laws and how you know, just racism, and that was like a governing body society that affected us. But um, to see how you can have the people in charge make up a term to classify Black people who wanted their freedom as mentally ill is really a misdiagnosis. Uh-huh. So depending on how that's gone down from generation to generation, like if you have some slaves who are like, or, or enslaved people who are like, oh, you know, You know, you know, uh, Winston, he's mentally ill because he wants Mm -hmm. to, but I'm saying because I want to stay and I have a good life. It's like that, that idea is
1: crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. But think about it, right? You have to, you have to make it make sense for people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, so there's this term in, uh, in the, in the mental health, Counseling world is called, or the psychology world called, uh, cognitive dissonance. You ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. So you know that's pretty much. With if if your your morals or your values are uh, disconnected from your behaviors, then it causes this sense of cognitive dissonance or this uh, this uncomfortability, right? And so, think about it. Think about it from this sense. If if you have a constitution <laughs> that says all men are created equal. And then in the same breath, you have people over here that are enslaved, that are not equal. What, are, what? That that cognitive dissonance starts to kick in. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, okay, what what does that? How do I settle this? How do I settle that? You know what I'm saying? Then you get. That's when you go out, or that's what this is what they did. They went out to get scientific research to back up the crazy stuff that they were doing.
0: it's it's, it's one of those things where it's like I know I feel that there are because like in in the book you do talk about like intergenerational trauma and how Mm -hmm. you know these things are passed down from from generation to generation I think also you do talk about just uh slavery and even uh integration as a whole and so it's like on one side you have generational trauma from your own just family your bloodline mm-hmm. and then you have slavery you have um jim crow laws all these things and living in the world where it's like okay we were treated horribly for 300 years and then as we try to integrate into society as a people just the way mm-hmm. we the world not even through family functions and interpersonal but the way we all move through the world has been like another level and layer i should say of trauma that's 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 got upon us so uh I I I mean there's so there's so much to impact, obviously. I mean, like, you know, you you are you're writing, you you have a whole career in it. There's so much. We're not gonna get to everything in this discussion. <laughs> <what we're laughs> um so since you have the book Healer Repeat, Breaking the Cycle Cycle of Intergenerational Trauma, what was one of the reasons why well why did you write the book?
1: Oh man. So you know, just to even keep it short, right? You know, um, and I talk about this in the book, right? So in the book, I I I incorporate like personal experiences, right? And so you know, just to even you know to, to make it short, I got into African American history by wa- watching a documentary on Marcus Garvey, right? I'm pretty sure you read that part, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I bro, I I read it. And it was one of those things where I had this—I had a very similar experience. <laughs> I learned about Gar- Garvey, and I'm like, "What was he doing?" It's one of those things where you yeah. just like—he did what?
1: Exactly
0: about it, it. it its like mind-blowing, and it's yeah. something that, for me. It—it it is. I think it is a thing for me where, like, and I have to cut you off. Sorry, but like, for me, it started to shape the way I thought of the world as I continued to move through it. And mm-hmm. that was the part when I read the book, I was like, oh, and so you at your at, at your age and, and your generation, how that changed your life trajectory. Like, I'm going yeah. over into this. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, continue, continue. Yes. continue story.
1: That's exactly it, though, right? Because then after that, you know, watching that that documentary, I was like, wow, this man was having parades uh, with thousands of people in the streets of Harlem. Yeah. And I never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts, man. Nuts. And so I'm like, oh man. So that got me into just, you know, in the Black history, African American history. Read, started reading a ton of books, picked up the minor, right? Um, you know, I was already a psychology major. So I was already in the psychology, mental health, and things like that. I started working in the psychiatric hospital, picked up the um, started going for my master's to be a clinical mental health counselor, and I started learning about trauma. And my professor was talking about, she she didn't name it intergenerational trauma. She just more so was talking about how trauma can be passed down. And I was like, I was sitting there and I'm like, yo, if trauma can be passed down, then I'm like, it I'm like, it had to be passed down from slavery. I'm like, come on. Like, that's, tra- that's trauma at its finest. Yeah. And so raised my, rose my hand up asked the question I was like hey if trauma can be passed down to different generations then is it safe to say that trauma was passed down from slavery and she said yeah that's possible and so that's what got me into just researching about this stuff and I was like you know I'm so and I was so passionate about it you know and I just was like you know I'm like a lot of people don't know about this a lot of people don't have never even heard of the concept intergenerational trauma right we might call it generational curses in the black community because we talk about church right but to really put a name like a a a scientific or social science name to it you know what i'm saying and i was like man i just want to get it out i just want i want our our community to know about this just to just to just to be aware of it you know even if you you know about it don't do anything about it
0: it it is important to be aware of it it's it's uh there was one uh (laughs) It's funny because like reading the book had me thinking of just a like, different things. We're like, when we talk about or what you talk about in the book uh, specifically with uh, the Mike, the Mike Brown case and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, George Floyd and whatnot. And you're like growing up and hearing from your mom where it's like, hey, if you get stopped by the police or um, specifically, it's another one for me. Amadou uh, am going to do Diallo. And, that, that's mm-hmm. and it's just like, all right, here you go. Here's your police talk where generally, you feel that everybody gets a birds and a bees talk, right? And yeah. then we just get the deal with the police talk. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like only our community gets that, and what does that do automatically with our relationship with, one, uh, the police and people with authority, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And two, we're living with a whole generation of people who don't get that talk. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not like It's not like... Yeah. Uh oh uh you know white people get that I don't think they've ever got all right, all right, listen, listen <laughs> here, you know what I mean? Listen, listen here. I can't use winside, just use that one. Um listen here, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like that. Hey, when the cop comes, you let them know who your dad is. Okay, you go, you mm-hmm. leave with that, <laughs> you make sure they know yep. you know what I mean. They don't get anything like that, and we get we get those things and it it becomes a uh it in in a way uh and as you say in the book it is something where um or or uh it's in it's in the book because I, like i just went to uh, i checked out the back of it and there is this quote in the conclusion of the uh, and i am going to mess up the last name uh tapitha parmia kagari Kaguri,
1: mm-hmm. right? yeah.
0: and uh she says as a whole we as a whole convey Convey baton. We never, requ- but never requested yet. What we have stomped upon, or what are we conveying? Basically, we passed on this baton of mm-hmm. scorn from one generation to the next. So yep. we're like, okay, don't trust the police, right? Yeah. We've always had a, a healthy fear of them. They also have a history rooted in um, slave catchers back in the day. That's where that's mm-hmm. where it all formed. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. It's like, if this group was specifically formed to capture capture our people and now slavery, there's no need to capture us anymore, but they still exist in this new form and we still exist in our new form as free people. There's always that, there's that clash. And I, I wonder what are your thoughts on, in a sense of just like generational trauma and our relationship to the police, right? Mm-hmm. With all the work that we can do ourselves is there any work that can be done on their side?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, um, you know, and that, so that part of intergenerational trauma, I have not studied, right? Or I have not researched, I mean, however-
0: You got books, you got books you're sitting on, you don't even know about yet. <laughs> I'm just like, man, my dad's about to take this game up, man. <laughs> but yeah, th- there is
1: pieces of it that they can do as well, right? You know, you know, there's a whole, um, you know, movement of, about defund the police, right? I'm not gonna say I'm with or with or, or 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 against it because I don't know that much about what defund the police looks like, right? Mm-hmm. However, there has to be a. I will say this: there has to be a critical, uh, a, a critically, a critical analysis and breakdown of this system of the policing system you know what i'm saying because obviously as we see as we're seeing the laws that were created or that the laws that were created to protect and serve are not it's not across the board right and then you have to critically i think you have to change you have to really you really have to just really carve out that whole system and and rebuild it and and reframe it because you know um you have things like um like, you know, of course, like stereotypes and biases and things of that nature, right? Even myself, because you have black officers, right? Yeah. You have officers of color and, you know, they, they might be, you know, they might be on the, on the blue side saying, no, our job is hard. And, you know, you know, what would you do if your life was on the line? You know, that argument is, yeah. is, you know, is there, you know what I'm saying? However. I look at it like this. This is why. This is why it needs to be carved out and and reframed, right? You have to change the training. You know what I'm saying? You have to uh, change how police practicing practices are happening. It is because of those those biases and those stereotypes. Even myself. This was I was going to say earlier. Even myself. When if I'm in a if I'm in a uh you know I grew up in a in a pretty rough neighborhood right <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> and even if i see uh remnants of that i'm reaching you know what i'm saying i'm yes. reaching yeah and so what do you think of officers the officers want to do the same thing we're doing you know what i'm saying because those what we see in the media how we're per- portrayed how we're projected in the media is telling is literally um Silently telling people what Black people are, how we operate, and what we do. Yeah. And that we're a danger, that we're dangerous.
0: Bro, it's been, I don't know, like, just in this pandemic, I've I've woken up so much to it. I've always been alert of it. And I Mm -hmm. didn't realize how much some of what the media was hitting me with I got susceptible to.
1: You
0: know mm-hmm. what I, mean? like, yeah. I I grew up in a neighborhood that was like when I was in Harlem, it was pretty rough at that time, but it wasn't like super rough. Like it wasn't I think I think even when I was at NJIT in Jersey at that time where you had like you were in, in Newark and you in had Newark. Newark. And you were in Newark, you know what I mean? Like you you've been you've been on the yard over there before yeah. like, everything started changing and you're like, oh mm-hmm. man, it wasn't right there. You know, like <laughs> level. there was a level of respect where even like where I would walk around the street and be like, "Are you in the hood. So you got to like watch your back and be aware. But you know, for the most part, if you didn't look like you could be fucked with on that way and that they didn't have an issue, we like, yo, I don't look like a target. I'm not a target. I'm not a sucker out here, but I'm not a gangster. I'm yeah. like a civilian. They mm-hmm. wouldn't be like, all right they'll leave you alone they might mm-hmm. leave you whatever you just all right cool cool he good he good out here right but yeah. at least there's always that thing of like it doesn't matter how i present myself because they're influenced by statistics that they might see about like yep. oh, we we'll see black crime or they might be influenced by the media and then that that then uh i feel hits us or hits me specifically where i'm like well i don't know what's going to happen like mm-hmm. um what one of our one of one of our bros uh, uh uh went and we were out in D.C. and some random shit happened with a cop there where he's actually trying to help break up a fight and then the cops are like getting at him crazy I'm like yo he was he was yeah. doing a job y'all should have been doing yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. like get the fuck out of here you know I I had I wrote so I uh, when we talked earlier I didn't have these questions ready and I only have a few like I already did like two of them. Two of them, but yeah. uh, one of the things that uh in your book you you're very honest and you you open up about like literally open up in the book about hey this was what's going on with my family this is what's mm-hmm. up with my dad things was looking a little crazy I'm hearing whispers something's going on right yeah so with that and you and and is considering that as uh, I would take it as kind of like general generational trauma or about to be generational trauma like that kind of unfolding how how do how did you deal with that and how do you make sure to fight against passing it to the next mm. generation so for so how
1: I dealt with the trauma that I experienced growing up you know um as a child I dealt with it in very adverse ways right you know so I was um running away, hanging out in the streets, you know, or trying to, at least, until I realized, you know, motherfuckers was getting killed. And I'm like, oh, nah,
0: nah, 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 I don't want (laughs) to get killed. this ain't for me. This ain't for me. This ain't
1: my life. You know, know, sleeping with knives under my pillows and, you know, uh, just doing all that type of stuff and not noticing and not realizing that something was actually wrong or something is going on here. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't until I got into college where I was like, man, I'm like, yo, you're depressed, (laughs) you, you are depressed, and you need to go see somebody, and so, you know, started going to therapy, got into grad school, continued therapy, and things of that nature, and it, and it wasn't till, you know, you know, my therapist was able to help me identify that, that the things that you were, that I went through were not okay, right, because you, when you're a kid, you, you know, that's your world, your, your, your your neighborhood, your family, that's your world, at least that was mine, right, and so I was like, you know, this is, this is just what happens in families, and it was, and she was like, no, that's not normal, that's not okay, you know what I'm saying, and so it took that it took identifying that the, how I grew up was not OK and identifying unhealthy patterns in my family or un- identifying unhealthy patterns that I might have saw, experienced and things of that nature and be like, no, I don't want my kids to experience that. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't like. So, for instance, um, you know, I used to get whoopings when I was younger. I don't I don't touch my kids. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't. Uh, you know, and I have I have two daughters and you know what I'm saying? I don't touch them at all. I don't hit them, spank them, nothing. You know what I'm saying? I might, I might grab arms, and be like go over there. <laughs> but outside of that, no. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I don't want to continue that. I don't want them to. I don't want them to feel like, oh, when daddy's mad, he puts his hands on me, and that's okay. So if I was to engage in some type of relationship or whatever. If the man is upset, whether it's a friendship, intimate relationship, whatever, if the man is upset, it's okay if he puts his hands on me. My dad used to do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or even if they have kids and they're like, well, I used to get spankings or whoopings, so I'm going to whoop you. That You know, we hear that a lot in the black
0: community. Oh, yup, It happened to me, so it's going to happen to you. It's like, bro, you don't got to do it. They
1: don't no, you ain't got to do it. Right. <laughs> no, no. So really, that's what helped was going to therapy and identifying some unhealthy patterns that I may have experienced and just saying, no, that's it. I'm not going to continue that. That I, I I witnessed that. I experienced that. I, it didn't help for me. It wasn't healthy for me. And it was based off of the experiences that my mother went through and based off of what her mother went through and my grandmother went through. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, no, it stops here. This is where it stops.
0: How do you. So I I, I think uh, in my in my experience to a certain degree and other people, too, it's like when they have uh, intergenerational like the, a family trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And the people that might have caused it or passed it down. Mm-hmm. How do you. I guess, convince them to go get help?
1: And Mm.
0: they, you know, that's the first part. The first part is how do you convince them? And the second part is if they don't, what's, what are the next steps? What, what can that,
1: that's a good question,
0: right? And the reason
1: being is because, you know, therapy is, or mental health period is so taboo in our family in a black family right especially if there's you know if religion plays a big part um i think that one way that we can try to convince our family members the per, or, or a parent or somebody who has passed that that legacy or passed that um um, um that trauma down to us is you know it, it starts by con- you know conversations mm-hmm. right you know um they don't even have to be like hey i'm just gonna be an open book to you and tell you everything that you've done and tell you how it affected me. It could just really just be easing into these types of conversations and being a walking model of health of healing, rather. You know what I'm saying? And really just asking questions like, "Hey, where did you learn that from? Where did that come from? You know, why did you do that? I'm curious. You know, do you think that's healthy? Do you think that you did you think that was okay, or why did you think that was okay? You know, um this is how it impacted me. This is how it made me feel. And I'm going to therapy for it. Would, would you be open to joining a session with me? <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Come into a session with me, come to, come see my therapist and we can talk about these things. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a session just for, you know, a session to pick mom's brain or dad's brain. It could just be a session just to introduce them to therapy and see how the process works, you know? And then again, cause you're that walking model of healing. And so, if you're that walking model of healing, then it's like, man, you know, oh, I see, you know, Mike is, you know, is 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 doing well for himself mentally and emotionally. Like, I, I like that. He's happy. I wanna, I wanna get like that. Hey, Mike, what you doing?
0: What's the secret to, to the sauce? You know? <laughs> turn off the noise. I don't know how you gonna do it. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta turn off the noise. And speaking of which, I saw um, when you when you come with the book there is a playlist associated with it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a few songs that you have. I wanted to ask why those songs and and what, what do you love about those songs? Um, I'll start with J. Cole's Be Free.
1: Oh, man. I love that song because uh, it, it, I can't, when I hear that song, I am immediately taken back to what happened to Mike Brown. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like immediately, like even when I think about Mike Brown,
0: that's that's where it goes. I
1: think about that song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even the picture before he had the you know the wild hair, you know, he had to fit it on, he was at the memorial. I think he had on shorts and a gray shirt and stuff like I I remember it like that. And so that part of the chapter, you know, um, I think signified or uh was more relatable to that song you know what i'm saying and so that really um you know and so even i know we're specifically talking about to be free but just every song i chose those songs because i wanted i wanted each song to be connected to the personal experience that i talked about in the beginning of each chapter yeah so each song relates in some way shape or form it might not be even the whole song it could just be pieces of the song you know what i'm saying like even with um, in the first chapter when I'm talking about my trauma and I, I use the Joe Button song, Only Human, right? He's in there talking about um, um, his mental health issues and he was talking about wanting to commit suicide but not knowing how to tell his mother.
0: Yo, you know what I'm saying? such a complicated figure, man. It, he's like, he is, I got to get this out because this is on my heart. I got to do like, like the preaching. This, this is on my heart. Let me get this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my spirit. It's it's so funny to me that I, I feel that like, Joe, Button, I was introduced to Joe Button by uh by uh Mike Matoki, rest in peace. You know, mm, rest in uh, peace, Mike. And he is Mike Jersey City. Yep. So when Joe Button came out, it was a thing of like, yeah, Mike, I know you, but you gotta listen to Joe Button, Jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean, Jersey City. And since then, I've always been like, I've always been like in tune with with Joe Button, and even just Jersey as a whole. It's like second that second home, that's family. Like you know you know I know it's in New York or something like oh these bridge and tunnel people but it's like man that's Jersey no Jersey like york you know what I mean like like people yeah. with, it's a different vibe right and <laughs> I think <clears throat> when I look at Joe and sometimes I i hear how uh there was a thing with uh you know like anything that's gone on in his career that's been like a little like yo what's this you did what to who and this and the third I look at it and I'm just like hey he's it's like sure no one's a perfect person but he also goes through these things publicly. Mm-hmm. All of his art, he's been talking about it. And yep. so if you're not gonna like exalt the guy and be like, yo, he's the greatest, you know, cause cool, you don't make idols out of anybody, just live your life. But it's like, but if you can gleam from him at least always trying to be a better person, mm-hmm. isn't, isn't that something we can say, you know what? This is all right, cause like when I read the book, when I'm when I'm reading, when I opened it, like my new like there's so many layers, cause my New York, my 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 like my foundation. I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, Joe Budden, Mikey, I got you know like you know like Mike, you know. But I, I go into that mode, and then all of the like career PC stuff gets into me. Be like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, I listen to JPP in secret. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't, yeah. talk, I can't talk to anybody <laughs> about this. It's gonna judge me but um, I do think I do think that is uh that I think even even his career,
1: mm-hmm.
0: him talking about mental health so openly in the beginning, having a series called Mood Mood Music, mm-hmm. yep doing doing that was something that I think helped a lot of a lot of us specifically uh black men and just hip hop heads in general because we mm-hmm. all kind of go through we need something to, like kind of focus on, and us push forward and speaking of that i think another person uh, J- uh not J cole uh kendrick cuz you have dna mm-hmm. right he's a uh, kendrick is one of my favorite lyricists he just dropped a uh he just dropped something a little over baby a baby king, king. Yeah. dope man <laughs> man he still got it <laughs> he never doesn't have it he just doesn't play the games that everybody else is playing he comes out he's like i'm here to rap i don't know what y'all doing i'm here to rap i'm not renting out a stadium i'm not going to the i'm not going to the to the ball game and taking my girl out i'm here to rap let me know when we rapping <laughs> that's how i feel about a lot of things like you know, i do comedy i do what i gotta do and i'm out you're like <laughs> respect what i'm trying to do here anyway anyway In his song, DNA, that's a personal song for me too. It's like, all I hear when I hear that song is a lot of, not like a lot of boasting, Mm -hmm. but it's also the genetic part of it. And Mm -hmm. in your book, you talk about how the, I think the grandchildren of the Holocaust had certain genes that that were like triggered because of uh, starvation and famine. So their children started Living in certain way. Um, do you know if there's anything for us that's like like for Black people in general, or children of the diaspora in America, are there any things that have changed for us or things that you might be like, hey, I'm, I've noticed this, that, or a third. Do you have anything for that? Yeah,
1: so I went to a CEU um, and it talked about, a, oh, sorry, a C, I'm thinking everybody knows the CEU. Oh yeah, CEU, yeah, no, yeah. we're
0: breaking it down. We're breaking it down for everybody.
1: So a, C, a CE or a CEU is continuing education credits, right? And so when you're when you're in multiple different like uh, practices or fields, but specifically as a therapist, in order to keep your license um, active and up to date, you have to have so many amounts of CEs or CEUs, continuing education credits, where you go to these workshops and just learn about, you can go to whatever type of workshop you want, right? Related to mental health, of course. I went to one on intergenerational trauma. (laughs) And she specifically, man, if I, um, I would have reviewed that, um, my, my, my booklet on it, but she specifically talked about how in us, um, our blood pressures are high Mm -hmm. because of it, right. Because of like intergenerational trauma type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, she also mentioned about like cortisol levels, um, things that affect anxiety, um, you know, even if you, even like when, when, when you talk about like the epigenetic piece or how it's passed down through the, like through DNA and stuff like that, you know, if, uh, you know, I, I was taught in my grad program is that if a woman is, is pregnant and is experiencing depression while the child is in the womb, the child is, the chances of that child experiencing depression in their life, like goes up dramatically. You know what I'm saying? And so now how does that relate to Black people? That piece right there. Um, think about uh, you know some of the things that we experience today, right? Um, think about how mental health is taboo in our community. We don't. We typically um, a, a lot. It's starting to get a lot bigger. Let me acknowledge that. Um, you know, but you know, for the for the most part. Uh, a good number of us really don't seek out those types of services because we either lack of access or just don't know how to seek it out, right? And so the chances of experiencing some type of mental health illness or some type of, yeah, mental health illness or mental health disorder while pregnant is a lot more common. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. And even some of these mental illnesses are even um, are genetic and hereditary within itself, like bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, and things of that nature. Right. And so um, those are some of the ways that I know off the top of my head that it can impact how that genetic piece can impact Black people um, as it relates to you know intergenerational trauma. Um, I'm not a science guy, so that chapter was hard for
0: me. (laughs) (laughs) Right here, like (laughs) chapter five. No, this is like, this, this book is a, it's a really, it's a really uh, interesting read. I think it's a, for me, it's like a short read. Um, Yeah. It's, it's really packed with a lot of things where, um, I don't think it's ever been laid out so excessively, you know, like it's, there's things like throughout my journey, in my life and just like with, with, uh, my kind of focus on mental health, but not really in the, um, in like the scholastic space like I didn't I didn't study it so it's just like I felt things and went through things and talked about things openly where people are like well, how why are you talking about this I'm like I didn't I didn't know we, we not, we're not supposed yeah. to like, okay my, my bad you know <laughs> so reading this is like oh this is just really dope to see it all kind of laid out and I know I could uh I know if like my I have brothers who are uh 16 and 18 and sometimes we have talks about certain things but it's just good to be like hey now you can read this book and just check this out and just know that this is these are things of uh, if life was a game, let's say there are certain things we like, OK, these are the things that came. These are some of the players before as you continue your journey, because, you know, if you don't know where you're from, you're not going to know where you're going. That's just nope. like that's just the, the that's just the bar we've all gotten. And it, it just rings truer and truer as time goes. on, Right. Um, yes. If, if there's anything uh, we could yeah we could wrap it up. Is there anything that you want to uh, want to say about the book? And also, uh, anything that you want the the fans, or the people listening to the podcast, to know and to follow you, and uh, you know, so forth and so on.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, so sure. about about the book, I think that it's a necessary read, <laughs> right? Um. Just again, just to be aware. And of course, I'm going to say that because it's my book, right? But yeah. however, I think it's a necessary read just so that we are aware, just so that we can just even know what this concept is, just so that we can even be like, yeah, I recognize that pattern in my family. Oh. I think it comes from here. Let me not pass that down. Let me do something different. And you know, so definitely definitely get the book, definitely read it, um, you know, dive into it like Mike said it's a it's a short read. It's only 122 pages. <laughs> it's a short read, but it's heavy. <laughs> it's a short read, but it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but um if and also if you want to follow me on 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 social media you can find me at j.washington.hope on instagram that is my business page mike you got my personal page yep, yep. <laughs> yes i'm you like
0: I'm sure you put <laughs> that was first. i'm like no 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 you do your thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so yeah so you can follow me there you can also visit my website www.jwhope services.com um that's where you can you can buy the book off of there you can if you're in a in the georgia area and you're looking for a therapist you can book me on my website you can see some of the things that i've done in the past um as far as tv shows uh some podcasts national conferences and stuff like that um but again you can buy the book off of there you can also buy the book off of amazon target barnes and noble and um and google books i believe so
0: yeah but if anyone's listening, I, I always encourage everybody to get it straight from the source. Cut out the middleman. You don't need Amazon. You don't need. If you can go to a website, like I'm going to put the link to the book directly in the description for this episode. But just do it there. It, I think that um, it's a more it's it's a more one to one, and you know we su- should support our people and support people directly. Yep. That's it. Well, definitely. That's it. I'm just making sure I do that. All right. Boom. That's yep. it. <laughs> Yo. So thanks again. Thanks again for your time. Um, keep going. I noticed this. This road, like you're already doing it, but keep doing it. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Thanks for being on. You good? Thank,
1: Thank you. Appreciate you, man.
0: You're welcome, bro.